Hello, one to go show fans. Thanks again for hopping over and listening to our podcast. Just a reminder, we have some exclusive content being posted weekly for the first six weeks of 2021 only on our YouTube channel. So if you want to jump over there to catch those interviews, it's the one to go show on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you'll see those new exclusive videos each week. Hey, race fans, calling all hockey fans, calling all hockey fans. Why are we looking for hockey fans, you might ask? Because Goat Sports Media has released its newest podcast, Tea with Miss McGill. It can be found on Apple, Spotify, and all the favorite places that you podcast. This podcast is going to concentrate on Minnesota high school hockey mainly, a little bit of touch of Division One and Division Three college hockey, and we'll touch on some major stories of the NHL. So Tea with Miss McGill, the latest podcast from Gold Sports Media. Go check it out. All right, race fans, uh, welcome to another episode of the One to Go Show. Bert, I believe this is episode 66 in the books right here. Um, yes, I'm it is. Ryan Aho, <laughs> that is the one and only co-host of mine, Bert Lehman. Bert, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Just got done, uh, while well, we're recording this on Tuesday night, just got done watching the exciting uh, Bush Clash. I'm kind of being sarcastic when I say that. You know, let's start there, right? Let's start there. I did not watch it, but then I got a text. Oh, you got to see the finish. You got to see the finish. I'm like, all right. So why don't you fill us in? Kind of, I mean, from what I understand, I mean, Daytona, it's a two and a half mile track and they didn't race on a two and a half mile track. It kind of went to the oval or roval or road course or whatever. But why don't you talk a little bit about what you saw there? And I, I do have some thoughts. <laughs> well, this was the first time I've ever seen him race on the Roval, and I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm not a Roval fan. Um, I mean, I was doing uh, so other things while I was watching it, so I mean, I, it didn't have my undivided attention. Uh, but um, you know, I, I, I'm a traditionalist. I like the Bush Clash where they race in an oval, and I mean. That's what I, I mean, the last lap was, uh, um, yeah, I mean, there was excitement on the last lap because obviously, uh, some, uh, well, Chase Elliott and, uh, Ryan Blaney made contact, uh, Blaney spun out, uh, Chase Elliott slowed down and, uh, Kyle or yeah, Kyle Busch, uh, got the win. So, uh, it, it uh, one of those uh, no fault things, <laughs> no fault cautions. <laughs> I was just going to say, and, right? And see, I think that's part of it is, you know, NASCAR, they think that's great. I mean, there's action, you know, I mean, you know, the announcers are saying, boy, was that exciting? And, you know, well, yeah, I mean, it was exciting, but I mean, a car took another car out and a third place car got the win. It was, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, NASCAR needs to fabricate excitement because the racing is so ungodly boring that they have to do something, right? I mean, if it were me, I'd just say, all right, every single race, we're just going to throw a yellow with two to go, and we're going to go green, white, checkered. And, like, race fans, tune in for that because the rest of the race kind of sucks, to be honest with you. And uh, now Chase Elliott, 
he was supposed to start closer to the front, but I understand they had some kind of an infraction. Um, they did some kind of an adjustment to the car that wasn't, it wasn't approved and they had to start last on the grid. So coming into the last corner, he's actually second going for the lead from last, which I think there was 20 ish, 21, 22 cars. And uh, yeah, he punted the guy and what was it Ryan Blaney? Is that who it was? Yeah. Yes. And yeah, he I punted mean, him and yeah, there you go. Kyle Bush, you know, Kyle Bush is usually the guy doing the punting, right? I mean, usually right. it's him. So, <laughs> so he inherited a victory on that one. And I'm just, Bert, I, I don't know how to say it without saying it. I'm so sick of this. No fault. Just, just smash. Imagine driving down the highway. Okay. You're going down the highway. You got your family, you're minding your own business. And here comes Ryan Aho. Wham! And I just, I barrel into the side of you. You run over a mailbox. You destroy your car. I just keep going. I just, I'm like, whatever. I'm going, right? And now, according to NASCAR, Lucas Oil, World of Ola, hey, that's perfectly fine. I can do that. In the real world, right, where there's actually penalties for things that you do, if I hit and run you, I'm going to jail probably or get some big fines or something. But for dang sure, I'm going to be at fault. And I'm going to get penalized for smashing into your vehicle. It is beyond me, right? It is literally beyond me how they how there's no penalties for smashing into people. In, in all these different sanctioning bodies, um, where was it? I think it was this week. Maybe it was even Ocala. It was a mod, no, it was a mod race. One of the mod races. And I don't remember who it was. I should have wrote this down. In the mod race, they were, the guy was supposed to start up front row, second row, in one of the features and he was a little bit late to staging they put him all the way to the back right it's like you can destroy anybody you want you can run over people stuff from the wall spin them out do anything but god forbid don't be late to staging because that really makes a difference really really it just it drives me nuts so bert you know hey while we're on the nascar topic real quick real quick I don't know that I'm even going to watch it. I probably will because I'm a traditionalist. It's the one race I watch a year, if any. Probably won't watch the whole thing. Who's your pick for the Daytona 500? Well, I mean, I will watch it. But, I mean, partly, mostly because, like you said, I'm a traditionalist also. I mean, I can remember when I was a kid. I mean, I would. I mean, I grew up on a, on a farm, so... You know, I had chores to do in the barn, feeding cattle and stuff. So uh, um, I would actually uh, make arrangements with my sister where she would do my chores in the morning. So I because that's when the race started at like 1115 in the morning, uh, our time. And so so I could stay in and, and watch the Daytona 500. And actually, I believe I was in eighth grade at the time um, because our church was from. I think 9.30 to 10.30. So if the pastor got a little winded, you know, church could go a little bit longer. So I, the week, the, during catechism during the week prior to the Daytona 500, I reminded him, you know, don't get, you know, I said, don't get, don't have a real long sermon this Saturday because the Daytona 500 is, is on. So, I mean, I, I was really a diehard, you know, when I was a kid watching the Daytona 500, but not so much anymore. I mean, I'll watch it just because it is the Daytona 500, but I I don't have the, um, I don't know, the same 
um, dedication to it that I did before. But as far as a pick, um, let's go with the dirt racer. Let's go with uh, Mr. Larson. <laughs> there you go. That'd be a story all by itself, wouldn't it? Well, I think I'll go. I'm gonna go with Kevin Harvick. I'll I'll pick him. He's, he ran a little bit of dirt himself, so you know he's kind of one of them non-traditional guys racing. So I'll, I'll I'll pick Harvick there to win. It'll be interesting to see. Hopefully it's a good race. Um, hopefully it's entertaining. But you know that's definitely enough asphalt stuff. Let's <laughs> let's get on. To, let's get on to some real racing here, and uh, let's talk about some late models. You know I I know that you really don't like late models at all, but we'll talk about them anyway, right? And uh, <laughs> Well, I think when we did this show, we did it. I don't think we had talked about the second night at Ocala. And it feels mm-hmm. like forever, though. There's been so I much racing going on. But uh, back earlier in the week, you know, kind of a cool victory there, right? Shane Clanton parking in victory lane. He missed, you know, that deal, the first deal at Volusia um, because he was in the hospital with COVID. What they say he lost for like 27 pounds or whatever? 27 pounds he lost, yeah. So, I had COVID. I didn't lose 27 pounds. I'm calling bullshit on that one. I, I don't think that's fair. You know, I don't know what the deal is. I think I might have gained weight, Ian, and I don't know what the deal is. So, but he had to miss, and kind of a neat deal, you know, and, and he didn't get all dramatic about it or whatever, but, you know, overcoming that, coming back, I think it's been like, it's been like two years since he had won on the tour, and, you know, seeing him get a victory there, that was a, that was a pretty cool story. That was pretty cool to see. Um, anything stick out from Ocala for you? Um, no, I mean, uh, you know, him getting the victory was, was cool considering, you know, what he's gone through the last several weeks. Uh, you know, like, like you said, he lost 27 pounds. I mean, I know prior to that, they had talked to him and he said that, you know, he wasn't a hundred percent, but, uh, the best therapy he could have was, you know, getting him in the race car. Uh, but you know, he, he could, he said he could feel it, uh, you know, uh, you know, he was getting tired quicker than what he would otherwise and that sort of thing. So uh, uh, it was good seeing him win. Uh, Bobby Pierce, I believe, finished second in that race because I think uh, he, he, he's been running well. We're going to talk a little bit more about him here shortly. But yeah, he ran really well over there. Good thing for Clanton, it wasn't a hundred lapper on a elbows up racetrack. It was kind of a one, kind of one lane. Um, you know, and, and kind of a pretty, not a very demanding on your body type of track, so to speak. And I think it was 40 laps, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty good race. And, you know, we'll jump off Ocala because it seems like it was like light years ago. And uh, we'll talk, you know, we were going to be talking about North Florida. They were going to have late models. Scraven was going to have late models. Mother Nature won both of those. That was done and over with. So a lot of them guys, and intentions were getting high, right? I mean, there's people yard sailing each other and screaming <laughs> at each other in the pits and one guy open i don't even know who they haven't even talked about who but somebody open hand slapped somebody in the pits so i think them having like a week off or in between there kind of like ease their tensions a little bit and and uh, they went to volusia like uh it's right now it's tuesday we just got done watching volusia night two for the late models but night number one for the late models you know bird did you get to watch any of that on dirt on dirt yeah, I, I watched the replay of the feature on, on Dirt on Dirt, uh, watched the feature, watched the interviews of the top 10, and also the drive home that they do, which is okay. usually pretty good. Yeah, that's good <laughs> stuff. I enjoy that. What did, so I'll let you kind of fill in. 
What did you get from night one over at Volusia for the late model? Um, well, night one was definitely, uh, uh, it was a topside dominant track. Um, you had to run the cushion. Um, I guess the, my, the biggest takeaway I, from Volusia, I mean, Tim McCready won, but the biggest takeaway, takeaway was uh, the speed weeks that uh, uh, Mark Whitner, Whitner's is having. Uh, he finished second in the feature, and uh, this is after winning two of the crate late model races at East Bay and finished, I believe he finished fourth in the other one, third, after uh, he was in an altercation uh, trying to take the lead and uh, messed up his um, uh, front suspension. So, you know, he was, he was kind of lucky to finish in the top three. Uh, considering his his suspension was messed up a little bit but uh i mean he's definitely uh i mean he he made a name for himself last year during speed weeks but i think partly because he was running with the with the big dogs and partly because he wasn't afraid to uh scrap with the big dogs and uh where now this year i mean he's just running well and um finishing well and I mean he's proving that he can run with the top drivers in the country and I actually watched uh two of the crate features from East Bay and uh, I mean he he's by far he was by far the best driver in the field I mean he knew when he needed to change lanes to try to take the lead you know and he wasn't afraid to change lanes um so I mean you can tell he, he's been racing for a while and, and he's putting it all together this speed weeks. Yeah. Talking about East Bay, I was all hyped up, you know, Jeff Provenzino down there running for dirt daddy, the hunt the front team. And they just, I don't know what the deal is. They just ain't got it figured out. That thing just, uh, it ain't going well. They didn't even race the third night down there. I'm not sure why I didn't hear. I didn't talk to Jeff since, but I was kind of pulling for him. I wanted to see him at least run in the feature, but he hasn't made a show yet in that crate deal. Um, and he said, one thing he said is it's a lot tighter, right? Because he's used to having more power and, and them guys are really good at keeping that wheel speed up. And if you're kind of used to that turn and burn, stop and go, it's quite an adjustment. So he struggled pretty bad. You know, one thing I got out of Volusia, Bert, and, and you're right on the money there with uh, Whitener, he's been running good, Scott Bloomquist. So at the World of Old show earlier in the year, he was battling with Strickler, had a legitimate shot, looked like he might have a shot to win that deal goes out right in in hot laps and and he won hot laps it don't pay very well um i heard the rumors um but he was the fastest car in hot laps and it's like hmm, interesting bloomers here to play right he goes out for time trials disqualified group rule had to start in the back of the heat and at that point he said well i'm just gonna do a little testing tooled around the back of the heat tooled around the back of the b called it a night so so bloomer always something going on with, with the voodoo <laughs> child, always something. So let's get on tonight. Oh, 51 lanes. That's another thing. That's another story. Cause I was expecting, I don't know what you were expecting there, Bert, but I was thinking I was going to be surprised if they got over 40 at Volusia. I really thought that a lot of them guys were just going to hightail out of there, but really good car count. And actually it would have been 52, but uh, we'll talk about this Strickler who'd been struggling, right? He ran good in his Longhorn, sucked it up in that rocket. There was a guy there, I don't even remember the name, they swapped everything out. Like he gave that guy all his rocket stuff. He took the Longhorn stuff and 
he had to get everything all lettered up, right? So he didn't he didn't race and he ran the mod. And then that other guy, he went to sit in the car and he's like, um, this is a problem. His roof, his head was hitting the roll above the roll cage. So so neither one of those cars. So I think there might have been a couple more cars tonight. But uh what's interesting to me though is going into the night or after after last night in 12 nights of racing in Florida with the late models, 11 different winners, right? That's crazy. Turbo's the only guy that's won two and he got DQ'd from one and can't even race at Volusia. So, you know, I'm kind of surprised by that. And, you know, would you think if I said, man, we're going to have 12 nights of racing in and Brandon Shepard and Jimmy Owens are going to be held winless, what, what would you say? I... I would not have taken that bet. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm surprised by that. Both of them, too, you know, they, they've been struggling. So, in fact, I watched night number two tonight, Bert. Jimmy Owens didn't even make the feature. So, he didn't, even, he didn't even make it in, right? He was third, barely third. The guy in fourth was maybe even a little quicker than him in the B. Couldn't even get in. Of course, it's not a Lucas race. So there's no provisional. So, he had to watch, right? And Brandon Shepard. This was his night to turn it around. The top was kind of the dominant, not kind of, the top was the dominant lane. There was a good cushion all the way around the high side. Brandon Shepard outside pole. Could this finally be the night for Rocket One to park it in victory lane? Nope. Fourth. Okay. Now, not only did he get fourth, but on the initial start, Bert, you'll have to go back and watch this because I know you haven't seen it yet. On the initial start, he's on... Uh, Pierce is on the bottom. There's a little food down low. Then it's, it's glaze black through the middle and then traction up top. Where does where does Shepard go on the start? Right through the middle of the black and he goes straight backwards. Devin Morant, he went up to the top and got a run, actually took got next to him and got by him and they threw the yellow because Morant got out of line. If I was Moran, I'd be like, the, the dude's not even in the right line. What the hell is he thinking? You know, it's like, you know, of course I'm supposed to follow him, but at least tell him to go where you're supposed to. And uh, they redid it. And and Shepard just never looked, never looked good. But we did have the 12th winner in 13 nights. And uh, that is Bobby Pierce. The I always call him the not so smooth operator, but he looked really good. And him and, and uh, Moran just checked out and uh, Moran actually got you know kind of battled with them there for a while but Bobby Pierce was kind of the class of the field so that's going to lead me into a couple questions so Pierce right <clears throat> who's helping Pierce now Cody Mallory right so Pierce from what I understand listening to the guys on dirt on dirt that are really in the know with the late model world right and really watching they said that Pierce traditionally hadn't been a very good qualifier right and and this year he's qualifying a lot better, so they found some speed. Could that be partially due to Cody Mallory, right? So so a win there by getting Cody Mallory on his side to, to really catapult that. And Pierce, like you said, Pierce has had a good speed week. He's really looking good. I mean, he's running up front. Now, the question is, does he even want to race, right? Because every, everything I hear, Cody Mallory's got to talk him into going. It's like, it's like the, the dude races for a living. That's what he does. And like, you got to be talked into going. If I had that operation, I'd be like, where can we go next? Yep. I'm going there. I'm going there. Like, like he's just not, I don't get it. Like he's good, especially on a cushion, but he's not hungry. 
and I don't really understand why that is now. Well, well, and according to him, he's from his interview on Monday night, he was only going to stay like two more nights. At yeah, and he changed South. that. He changed that. Before oh, the okay. feature tonight, they announced that he's going to go for the big gator. And it's okay. in position, right? Because he ran well the first night. He got he won tonight. So he's probably leading the points in that gator deal. And so he's going to run all week at Volusia, which is good, you know, because he's already down there. Why the hell would you go home? It don't even make sense. Why would you even do that? Now, the flip side of this bird. Jimmy Owens, that's who Cody Mallory worked for last year. Jimmy Owens literally can't get out of his own way. I mean, he is, I'm not talking like he's like really been fast and just had some bad luck. He doesn't even look competitive. I don't get it. Like, we're talking Jimmy Owens. I mean, he flat out dominated the Lucas Oil late model scene last year. And do you think that there's maybe a, a confidence issue, like things ain't going right? He doesn't have the, the crew chief there helping him, and now he's just struggling. Like, he can't he can't find speed. He's not qualifying good. He's not racing good. He's not finishing good. Nothing is going right for the 20. I mean, if I were to say, yeah, he's not even going to make the feature, people would be like, dude, it's Jimmy Owens. Stop. Like, stop. He's, don't tell me he's not going to make the feature. He didn't even make the feature. I, I mean, I don't get it. What's your thoughts on that one? I mean – you know, I can't get inside his head, but I mean, that definitely could be the case. I mean, um, I mean, you've been in racing long enough to know, and, you know, I've been involved with race teams and covered racing. Um, I mean, it takes more than just a driver and equipment to be successful. I mean, you need a, I mean, it is a team sport. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. You have to be a good driver. I mean, that goes a long way. But you also have to have, you know, a solid team behind you because there's a lot of work to get these cars prepared for each night of racing. You know, it's not a matter of just slapping four tires on and going out there and racing. I mean, sometimes I have a feeling that's what a lot of fans think it is. I mean, you just throw four tires on there, you know, what's the big deal? And you just stomp on the gas. (laughs) But there's, there's a lot that goes goes on behind the scenes to uh for any successful team yeah there, there is and i remember when i won like all my national championships and this is we're, i'm talking super stocks these guys are on the highest level different but the same right and what i mean by that is when i was winning all my national championships i had a pretty good crew actually I had a really good crew but i had one guy you know jim mcclellan chonga we called him that was kind of like my main guy and, and like, we really had a good connection, a good communication, you know, bouncing ideas. And he'd be watching the car and he'd tell me what he sees. And a lot of times I'd be like, you're full of shit. And I'd watch the tape and I'm like, <laughs> okay, no, you're right. You know, <clears throat> so it's, it's nice having that. And then when he, you know, he got a family and kind of moved on and wasn't able to pit as much. It, it did take an element of my, of my racing away. It really did because it was nice having that consistent pit guy there that actually had some knowledge he'd been behind the wheel before street stocks and stuff but at least he he knew what he was talking about and when you kind of lose that it's kind of you lose a little bit and I'm kind of wondering if that's the case with Jimmy Owens because the guy's one of the best race car drivers ever to strap in I mean he was phenomenal in a mod phenomenal in a late model but he just looks out of place you know and I'm wondering if there's a confidence issue there and and things kind of go in spurts in this sport you know, if he starts rattling off a couple wins, well, then the confidence starts to come back, 
right? Jonathan Davenport's another guy we talk about. You know, he went all winter. Like, I don't even care if I race. He was just kind of like feeling sorry for himself, kind of in a state of depression. He goes to Arizona, wins three, leaves a couple on the table that maybe he should have won. So then he was feeling really good. He goes back to East Bay, gets absolute curb stomp. I mean, he looked garbage except for the one night. And he's like, screw it. I'm not even going to Volusia. Like, I'm hell, I don't even know if I'm going to follow the Lucas Oil Series. Like, he's like really up and down. So what in, in sports and racing and all of it, people don't understand the mental game. That confidence factor Bert, is such a huge deal. And, and if you don't have it, I mean, it's evident in, in your results and on the racetrack. And, and I don't know what it's going to take for Jimmy Owens to, to kind of get that back. But right now, he just simply does not have it. Yeah, so, I mean, I agree. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, there's four nights of uh, racing left. He did win three. Track is totally different than last year, though. They put all new material on it. Super slippery. Top dominant the last couple of nights, which is weird because in the mods, it wasn't. But in the late models, it's purely top dominant. So it'll be interesting to see if he can turn it around. I mean, it's good for the sport. You get everybody kind of, you know, rattling off some wins. You want to you see that because it kind of leads into what's coming. So Well, I, I just want to make a comment about uh, Tim McCready's comments after he won on opening night. He, uh, he, he made a statement, something to the effect of, I don't necessarily enjoy coming here to Volusia to, to race, but I enjoy winning here. There is that, right? There is that, yeah. It, we, no matter where you are, winning is winning. You like winning. Speaking of that, you know, before I jump off, what I watched the they had the big block mods there tonight. They're there the rest of the week, uh, whatever, the, the dirt car modifieds or whatever they call them. First of all, them things look like a handful to drive. I mean, they are like, I mean, they don't even look fun. I mean, they're all over the racetrack. But Stuart Friesen, who had been running a little bit in the late models, he won. So he, he got her done in night number one. Bert, what's cool about that, and you, hopefully you can see it in the Victory Lane deal. He's down in Victory Lane. His kid, his kid comes down in Victory Lane. Looked like maybe, I don't know how old he was. I'm guessing six-ish, seven, maybe somewhere in that neighborhood. And he's like, Daddy, Daddy. Yeah, you can hear it in the background. Hey, we're getting a gator. Like, he's all excited because that's the trophy. <laughs> so, that was really cool because I think it's super cool when, when you're able to have your family down there and mm -hmm. in victory lane with you. I mean, th that's a big moment. I don't, and I don't care if that's the big stage right down in Volusia or whatever, or just a regular night at your local backyard racetrack. Some people don't win very often. So if they have an opportunity to enjoy that with their family, make them a part of victory lane, I I'm all for it in tracks that don't allow that. You need to get your head out, right? You need to get your head out because that is good for the sport. They got to allow that to happen. So let's transition off that. We'll jump over to sprint cars and, uh, you know, our buddy Keith, you know, I'm wearing, I'm wearing this, you see I'm wearing a wild jersey or hoodie. <laughs> so we're, we're having a group chat um, watching the late models and, you know, we're all from Northern Minnesota. We're all hockey folks. Right. And, and Jeff, you know, he's involved with this community and, so he's like, he lives up in Michigan. That's our late model expert. And he's a big hockey guy. And, and Keith, he's a big hockey guy. His son played for the Hermantown Hawks last year who got, you know, I know they actually did get to go to state, I believe. But, uh, you know, I think he, it was just a weird year with COVID. So I can't even remember, but he's watching Hermantown. We're going back and forth. But um, Jeff, um, I want to know about the um, professional hockey team over there in the upper peninsula. 
of Michigan, okay? Because I know that Detroit's in Michigan, but it's the lower peninsula. So really, it's kind of like two different states. And I'm going to say, Jeff, kind of you live in eastern, northeastern Wisconsin is, is what I'm going to say. So that, that's for you, Keith. So getting into the, <laughs> into the key stuff here, let's talk about sprint cars. Bert, did you, did you watch any sprint car racing this week? Um, I didn't watch the complete features, but uh, I watched the highlights of uh, the uh, one feature where uh, Donnie Schatz had a little bit of heartbreak. Yeah, you know, so let's start out, you know, it started out with the All-Star Sprints, you know, and, and really, I'm not going to recap every single night, but but the guy that really, he looked good last year, and I think he got third in points. I think he, I don't think he got second, but he was in the top three, Logan Schuhart, right, or Schuhart, or Schuhart, I think is what it is. Boy, he had a good week. He, I think he won the overall Gator for the Winter Nationals for the Sprint Cars for the week. He won one early. He won the World of Outlaw night. I mean, he looked absolutely fantastic. But Donnie Shots, right? Night number one, or actually in the, I think, was there two World of Outlaw nights or just one? I think there was, yeah, there was two. So the first World of Outlaw night, he kind of struggled in the heat. And then he had to come from the back. He started deep in the feature and got up in the third. He looked really good. And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be the week where maybe Donnie Schatz is going to go out there and get win number 300 because Bert, he's sitting at 299 for World of Outlaw um, Sprint Car feature wins right now. All of a sudden he wins. He looks good. He's starting right on the front row of the A main. He leads the lion's share of it. There's a couple red flags for rollovers and, and literally two laps to go. He's got a significant lead. I mean, it's over. Donnie Schatz is getting win number 300. It's going to happen. Finally, then, then they can start talking about something else. And his car died. MSD box. It's, it's an ignition part. And it literally shut off. There was at no electrical. Shut off the motor. And it's like, are you serious? I mean, it was over. And at first, I'm like, oh, here we go. More problems with them Ford motors. But it wasn't that. It was an ignition <laughs> box. They went in and changed it, and he was able to salvage, salvage a finish. But uh, Logan Schuhart got the win in that. But there was a couple violent, violent rollovers. One earlier in the week with uh, Brian Brown. I don't know if you saw that one or if I sent it or if you saw it on Facebook. He cartwheeled hard. I mean, it looked like six times or something. I mean, it was absolutely I didn't violent. see that one. I saw a rollover. I don't know who it was. I should have wrote it down. But it was, on, it was only a few times, but he was high up in the air that was the next one i'm going to talk about okay Neil Scalzi, right and and like he, he was up there i mean it was way lots of vertical on that one so you got i mean you could have drove vertical. underneath him easily <laughs> a lot of cars could have drove underneath them and, and what made me nervous there bert is is they stopped the race right and and like they literally in dirt vision tip of the cap hats off the dirt vision because they don't, they weren't sitting there focusing on it. Like this guy's hurt. I didn't know how bad or whatever, but they were, they, they stopped filming it. They didn't show a replay and they didn't really talk about it because nobody knew what was going on. And they took him in the ambulance um, for precautionary stuff. And he was back at the track later, but uh, it was weird. It was kind of an eerie feeling because they weren't showing it. And it's like, uh, what's going on? And as a fan, I'm like, you know, at least give us a thumbs up. Is the guy breathing? Or I mean, at least tell us something. I wish, I wish the announcers would have done that. Maybe they didn't have the communication. But hats off to Dirt Vision for not filming that and replaying it. They don't like to do that when somebody gets hurt. You know, that that's cool. I think that's classy. Um, but the fact is, uh, 
he he was walking around. I actually posted on Facebook. Somebody mentioned he's up and walking around. He's a little sore. So that was good. Good to see. But you know, when those things cartwheel, Bert, it's it's they get violent. They get violent. Mm-hmm. As a fan at first, before I was before I actually raced, I'm like, man, I, I just love seeing them things roll over. That is so cool. And now I'm like, it doesn't feel very good when you roll over. And it costs a lot of money when you roll over. So I don't quite like it like I did when I was a little kid. Okay. But uh, needless to say, the sprint car racing down there was, it was actually pretty good. I'm pretty impressed. You know, it's still a half mile. Let, let's be honest. I mean, it's still a half mile. You get them things on a, a shorter track, it's going to be a lot better. But uh, a I, Go ahead, well, I do have to say, um, and I know we've talked about this in the past, but uh, that announcer for the World of Outlaw Sprint Car Series, he is awesome. <laughs> he is. He is. He is. Actually, the, both announcers down there, right? Because Ned Gibson, right? I think it's Johnny Gibson is the World of Outlaw Sprint Car announcer. I mean, just uh, very exciting. He's got that little bit of a high-pitched voice, right? But extremely passionate and exciting. The other guy that's been down there all week doing all the UMP stuff is Ruben Morales. And he's the guy you oh, okay. saw him, yeah, doing some stuff at Fairbury last year. You know, he was at Cedar he was Lake. At Cedar Lake yep. Doing yep. the interviews. Yeah, he does a bang up job too. I mean, lots of energy, lots of passion. And and it's the entertainment value. Both of those two, they add value to the program. And and as a fan watching online. I mean, that's awesome. You get a couple of good announcers like that. And, and like, you have my attention because they do such a good job. So that's super cool to see now modifieds. Okay. So uh, this is mod week down evolution, <laughs> some drama coming in at first. I'm thinking, okay, how many cars are they going to get? I thought maybe the cars are going to go down. They had 96, I believe was the highest. So they had a pile of race. Cars, did, a lot of, them. did you even leave the house last week? I did. I did. I did. I did watch the mods. I did because, you know, I, I wanted to see, you know, a buddy of mine went down there, Johnny Broking, and he made almost every feature, but man, he struggled. Um, it was like he was playing checkers and they were playing chess. I mean, it was not good. I mean, he was in a feature, but literally he, he couldn't find any speed. I don't know if he's down on power or maybe it's a trail breaking deal. Or maybe, I, I don't know, but most features he is a second off the pace of the leader well you're on a 20 second lap 20 that's a lot your lap traffic every race the one mm-hmm. night he, he it got a little better later in the week but early in the week he made a feature and he was 1.88 seconds slower and and this is i mean he's good he's a good race car driver right so they got something going on though these guys are crazy fast i mean it is the way that they carry the speed through the center of the corner and they're trail breaking and they're holding the traction in it's uh it's different and and it's uh i don't know if that's good or bad because there's a lot of technology down in charlotte but the drama coming into the week down there is kind of speed weeks has been kind of dominated by nick hoffman nick hoffman owns elite chassis based out of kind of the charlotte area right i'm not sure what town but around there and several of those guys that were down there they jumped ship to Long, uh, Longhorn by Lowenbro, which Steve Arpin runs that program, right? So you've got Strickler and Tyler Nicely and some of them guys. So the, the big drama of the week was Hoffman had the big goal. Of they, they wanted to win the $5,000 to win the show at the end of the week, and they wanted to win the Gator Championship 
they accomplished both. Tyler Nicely, his sixth straight big gator down there at Volusia. I mean, class of the field, but he did not win the finale. His own car did, right? The car that he drove last year, Justin Allgaier got by him and actually won the 5,000 to win finale. And Hoffman's like, hey, if I'm going to lose, it's to, if it's to them guys, that's good. I mean, he wasn't, you can tell he wasn't really happy about it. Um, but the story, a couple stories down there, Strickler. So he wasn't there the first night and he shows up night number two. Okay. And he's there, they're scrambling to get the car ready, you know, cause they, they literally, he hadn't touched it. You know, the guys over at Long, uh, Longhorn, they got it all together and he's going to like work on the car and the, the scissor on the lift is it's like two aluminum pieces and they kind of scissor. He got his finger caught in there as they're, as they're like letting the car down or whatever they were doing. And he just about cut like his whole finger off. Like it was like three quarters of the way through. Right. So he's like, oh, my God. So he literally they jump and they go right to the ambulance and the ambulance. They're like, yeah, you got to go to the hospital. You got to get this stitched up. And he's like, can I race? And they're like, no, Cardinal, you're not. No, you're not racing. Tonight. That's just not happening. Right. So so they they bolt over there and. And uh, meanwhile, the heat's going on the track, and he's like, I want to shake this down. And I didn't even know this, but Gordy Gundaker actually ran the car in the heat race just to shake it down, just to kind of go out there, run around the back in some laps and make sure that everything worked. So on his way back, he looked, he's like, well, wait a second here. Like, like they're still running heat. Like, I'm going to be okay. I, I think I can maybe run the B main. So he decides to go out there in the B main. He starts dead last. First time ever in the car, right? Been running late models. They've been in a model all year from last to first in the B main in the, in the LCQ. Starts 23rd in the feature and he rolls all the way up to the podium and gets third at the end. I'm like, holy shit. This, I'm like, I thought Nick Hoffman was going to just flat out dominate, but we got this guy, Kyle Strickler, that might have a little bit of something to say about this. The next night, Kyle Strickler, he wins the feature. I'm like, uh-oh, we're on here. This is going to be good, right? Well, the rest of the week, Strickler self-destructed. He was like in every melee possible, wrecked a bunch of stuff. I mean, his that was that was the end of his good luck in the week was that night. And from that point on, it was straight terrible. Steve Arpin, a guy that ain't run a mod for quite a while, um, he actually did get a feature win down there. So that was cool. Up in our area, I still consider him a Wasota guy. He lives down, of course, in the Charlotte area now, runs that operation. And Bert, another guy we talked about on the power ranking show, Dan Ebert. Dan is now living down in the Charlotte area. Oh, really? He is. Yep. So he is um, kind of the main guy with the circle track, dirt track part of Fox Shocks. And he'd been working from Minnesota, but he was down there. And he spent a lot of time with, with a lot of the mod guys down there. I know with Hoffman and Allgaier for sure, several more, but he was uh, the kind of the man behind all that, helping them with the shock program. So he had a busy week. So I don't know how that's going to, you know, I don't know how that's going to play into his upcoming season. You know, he's living down there. Is he, is he going to come up? Is he going to run? Is he going to run like the Advantage RV Mod Tour? Is he going to run the Challenge Series? Is he just going to kind of hit and miss? I don't really know. I've heard differing stories, but all the guys that race at the I-94 Sure Step Speedway are like, that dude can stay down there because <laughs> he's really hard to beat in anything he gets in. So 
Um, congrats to him. I mean, that's a that's a big move for you know yeah. Dan being down there. You know, and and uh, you know chase chase after what your passion is. And as a race fan, it's like I hope he gets his butt up here because I want to see him race a little bit because he's a hell of a wheel guy too. So um, I well, think I that's also, about it. Go, go ahead. I also look. saw. Uh... There was a NASCAR driver who uh, raced a mod down there. Uh, I there, didn't even there know. Was, there was a I bunch. didn't even know he raced on dirt at all. Yeah, Joey Logano, and and actually, that was kind of funny, right? He uh, the first night he got there, and actually, I was just looking at my notes here. The first night he got there, he he was in the the split night. Now. I'll let you. Did you did you watch Joey Logano at all? He ran. He ran okay. No, I, I didn't see any. I did, I saw his car afterwards, though. It was beat up. <laughs> yeah, and that had nothing to do with him. So, so first of all, I I don't know how to say it without just saying it, but the UMP deal. It's like they're trying to turn into like socialism or affirmative action racing, or we can call it the Oprah Winfrey like lineup system. You know. I don't know if you remember that Oprah. You get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. Remember? I don't know if you remember that. Well, yes, I remember Volusia that. <laughs> with the mods, it was you get a trophy, and you get a you get a Gator, and you get a Gator, and you over yeah, come on over. You get a Gator too. And what I mean by that is they had ninety six cars, right? Night number one, they had one feature, and they're like, well, this ain't fair. I mean, it's too hard to make it in the feature if there's ninety six cars. That's just not fair. So many people don't get to race the feature. That's just not fair. So from that point forward, they decided, well, we're just going to split it. And half of them go in feature A, half will go in feature B. So so every night they had two features. So there was, there was times where like most of the really, I mean, there was good cars in both. But I mean, let's be honest. If you're in the race with Strickler and Hoffman and Nicely and Arpin and you know, and Strammy, they're all in one race and everybody else is in the other race. It's like, whatever, right? So, I mean, you're not even racing head-to-head with, like, the top guys. It makes no sense. I thought that was stupid. It's like, it's not about being easy. I remember when when I raced, I mean, you go to Invitationals, there's over 100 cars in the class. They don't, they're not like, well, we're just going to let, we're going to have two features because it's more fair. What? And then on one night, Bert, they actually have five features. Five. Five, right? So what they did is they took the top 20 in points. They go in a feature. The next 20 go in a feature. The next 20 go in a feature and so on, right? So um, Logano, the night that he first got there, well, he hadn't ran the first couple nights. So what feature is he in? He's in the one with all the V-teamers, the ones that, like, can't walk and chew gum. So you said you saw a picture of his car that was completely shredded. Well, the guys that he was in the feature with are the guys that, like, caused every single wreck the first two nights. So, like, it was the same thing. I think there was, like, 852 yellows in that first feature. It's like, seriously? And, and uh, David Rudiman actually hadn't been there either. So he jumped in. He won that first feature. And you could tell they interviewed him in Victory Lane. And he's like, yeah, I don't – I shouldn't be in this race. You know, it kind of is one of those deals where <laughs> – it's like I want to, I want to be happy, but like I just beat a bunch of junkers, you know. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to be too totally disrespectful, but mm-hmm. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, the best twenty were in this race, and the worst twenty were in this race. If you were in the first two races, you know, in the top two races, you had better cars. It just is what it is. So 
and everybody got paid the same no matter what feature you were and everybody got a gator and, and it's kind everybody of got if you won if you won the first feature or the lower feature you got the same payout yeah. well if if you're going to do it that way then it should be you should split them you know top in points and then you go down however many features you know what, yeah so first and feature one second and feature two right right kind of right. kind of make it spread out i don't make the rules i <laughs> it just it just drove me nuts it's like what you know in the pail really isn't that good like those features the, on the night where they split it to five they were only 600 to win so and and i think most of the nights were 700 or i don't think they were quite a thousand but it just wasn't very good pay. And it was like, a, I, I did the math on like the first night and they, they made a pile of money, like just on the, on the fees of the drivers getting in covered their own, their own purse with 96 cars. And it's like, you know, it don't matter if they have a fan in the grandstands or not, they were way ahead of the game. So, but that comes down to this again, Bert, if there's 96 cars there, anything more than that, like that's too many anyway, that's just too many. You know, it's hard to keep the track. It's just too many cars because they do time trials. They do all that. You know, that that show would probably be better with 60 cars. The, the racing would be better. The track would be better. If they don't pay them crap and all these cars still come, there is absolutely zero chance of them paying more. Why would they? Oh. On the promoter side of things, I'm looking at it going, if I pay any more, we're going to have 50 more of these things. There's no reason to do that. So drivers... You're your own worst enemy. I, I don't know how to say it. You can't get upset about the payout and then go support nonsense like this, right? I mean, you, you just can't. And then you see 10,000 win shows. I've seen I've seen Chris Stepan with his FYE stuff. And he, he had like the Mod Nationals. And it was like 10 grand to win for the Mod Nationals. They get like 50 or 60 of them. For the life of me, I don't get it. I, I literally don't understand it, right? They get 96 cars. For like 700 to win most nights, 700, $700, right? And he got like 50 or 60 for 10,000. I'm like, it was, I think it was 700 to start at, at those shows. And so racers, I've been one of the better part of my life and I still don't get it. Like, I don't understand when, when, when they put big money on the line in your area. I get it if you got work and you got to travel along, I get it, right? But if it's within a few hours away and there's that kind of money, I don't understand why people don't support those shows, yet they bitch about the pay all the time. And they bitch about the cost of the sport all the time. But when somebody's willing to throw you more money, you just don't race for it. I, Bert, I, you, you got an answer for that? I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Um, well, the Mod Nationals that you're talking about, that was 10 grand what part of the year was that held in? That was was well, that during the summer? It was, but the the thing is, they did a pretty good job at getting a hold of a lot of the a lot of the mostly closer tracks, and a lot of the tracks took that night off with modifieds. I mean, so, I think I think part of the big car counts right now is, I mean, it's the pretty much the only place in the country you can race right now. So you know, if you're close to the area, you go down you go down there and race, um, you know, and when I say close to the area, I don't mean close to the area from that state. I mean, close, close to the area 
state wise, you know, if you're in a state that is close to and, and that makes sense. I mean, speed weeks is speed weeks, and the Wild West tour, there's so many guys up here like sick of the cold. We're gonna go down there, break up the winter. You're right, I get it, but they they don't, you know, these races don't pay nothing, right? So so don't tell me on one hand that well, I'm not going to that race, it don't pay enough. And then you're over here going to these races. Oh no, I I, I, I see your point. I see oh. your point. <laughs> so so with that said, I, I, it is what it is. As on the promoter side of things, though, that makes it hard, right? Because you know you're like you know on one hand you're thinking, well, if we just pay them big money, they're coming. But that's not always the case. So you gotta. I don't really know what the answer is there. You know, and and uh, they really got a good thing down there at, at East Bay and at Volusia. I mean, they get big car calls all the time. And you're right. It's a lot of it's because of the season. A lot of Midwestern guys down there wanting to get out of the cold, especially this week, right? It's horrible this week. So with that said, Bert, let's get to the last lap. And uh, we talked a little bit last week about, you know, policing yourself. If they're going to allow this no-fault caution stuff, right? If they're going to allow this no-fault caution stuff just to happen. People got to be able to police themselves. You should be able to retaliate. Somebody spins me out and I lose, I should be able to carve them and drive them into the fence, whatever. Or I should be able to go in the pits and punch them in the face, whatever, right? Well, there was a deal. I don't know all the details. I've read a couple different articles here and I'm kind of getting a little bit of, it's, it's opposite. I've, I've read a couple different things and I don't, I, I haven't really found what I feel like is like accurate because everything's a little bit different. But down at New Smyrna, did you see what happened down there, Bert? Did you hear about that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, uh, from what I read, I mean, just like you, you know, I read about it. Um, there were two nights of racing where um, the dr two drivers, one finished first one night and the other finished second. And then the, and the next night, they it was flip-flopped, I think. But basically, they were other than their starting positions, they were swapping paint and uh, um, uh, making friends on the track during the race, which resulted in uh, um, some altercations after the race in the teching station, which actually got both drivers disqualified from the final race. Um, but uh, yeah, from what I read, a brawl ensued between the, the two crews and it took like a half hour to try to break this up. So, I mean, it wasn't just the two drivers going at it. And I, and I think that's one thing when we talked about policing, you know, in the pits afterwards, it was the two, two drivers, you know, taking, not involving everybody into a melee that lasts a half hour. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, one of the tech workers there was one of them trying to break up the, um, the fight and they, I didn't really read what actually happened other than he was knocked unconscious and um, uh, later that night actually died, uh, which yeah, is, I, I mean, I very, heard, very tragic. Yeah, bad deal. Regardless of how it happened, when a track loses a track worker, of course, Cedar Lake had that happen last year. That That's a tough deal, right? I mean, that's a you know, they talked to the promoter and they said, I, I can't even imagine being at this place without this guy being here because he was such a big part of it. So, you know, thoughts and prayers to everybody involved there. I read different things, right? I read something where they thought maybe he got hit in the head and knocked out and then he ended up dying. 
I read something else where they thought maybe it was cardiac arrest and he died of a heart attack. I don't have the facts. I don't, I don't exactly know. I do know this, that a track worker from New Smyrna, he, he tragically lost his life. There was a melee. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. I really don't. Right. Depends on which article you read. It's kind of like the news. You want a different version, just change the channel, right? And uh, I think that I think we'll have to kind of look into that. The truth will probably come out this week, but I think there's an investigation on that as well. So, yeah, again, and I don't know if the no-fault deal had anything to do with that or not. I, I really don't. But again, the more the longer that no-fault stuff, and the more tracks that go to that, you're gonna see more fistfights. You just it just is what it is. It may not even be in the pits. It might be out in the parking lot. It could be at the like uh, like Turbo said to Bobby Peter. I'll meet you at the next truck stop. Like that kind of stuff's gonna happen. If if tracks don't grow a set of balls right and actually make a call when a call is needed to be made, what do they expect? I mean, it just it just it just makes no sense. I I really I really I'm losing a lot of patience with that. And and this summer. I'm going to be at a World of Outlaw race or a Lucas Oil race, and I'm going to go talk to the series directors. I promise. This is, this is my word for the show. I'm going to talk to the series directors, and I'm going to ask them why they have this stupid-ass rule, and I want to see what kind of viable answer they come up with. I can't think of any logical reason other than they're just lazy or they are afraid to make a call on one of the traveling guys because they don't want them to get mad, right, because you called it on them. I don't really, I mean, it just makes no sense. So that's enough of that. Uh, we talked a little bit about Strickler, you know, with his struggles there with Rockets. And uh, he's done with Rockets. He said, hey, we've got a long relationship here with um, Longhorn. We're going to stick with Longhorn. We're going that direction. He goes out night one, or he didn't race last night. He went out tonight and he took, it took everything he had to do to get in the show. Like I was ready to actually write down, well, there you go. He switched the Longhorn, still doesn't make a feature, but he had to absolutely use that right recorder panel in the B main on Cade Millard and shredded him to get into the feature. And he moved up a little ways. He wasn't in the top 10, but uh, noticeably quicker with that Longhorn though. He's actually well, competitive. I found it interesting. I, I read the article. I think Kevin Kovac wrote it. Um, where, you know, they talked to Strickler about the switch and, uh, you know, Strickler said that, you know, he had to really talk his car owner into it. But one of the, one of his main issues uh, with racing the rocket was, you know, you can go to rocket and ask for help, but he's not running the same shocks as what most of the rocket cars are running. He's running Bilstein's where, I'm not sure what the other drivers are running, but uh, Strickler's been running Bilstein's for for quite a while. I mean, he's got a relationship with them. So he, he was running Bilstein's with the Rocket, but he couldn't get the two to work together like the uh, Rocket cars with whatever shock company they've been working with. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that is. And then he also mentioned, right, because initially he announced I'm going to go after the Lucas Oil Rookie of the Year. Then they asked him, they said, well, you know, he, he came in. Well, he's right now, he's leading the world of all points, right? So, and he's not doing well at all in Lucas Oil points. Like, he's like toilet in the Lucas Oil points. So, at the end of the week where he runs good at Volusia, they said, 
if you're leading the world of Waldorf points, or if you're like up in the top three, are you going to change your mind and follow the world of Waldorf series? And and he said, I tell you what, whatever makes the most sense for the team, you know, if we're in a position to win that deal, it would kind of be stupid not to do that. So I, it's going to be interesting to see how, because the first two nights at Volusia were of course, UMP late models. And now the rest of the week there, I think it's four, world of outlaw late model events right in a row so it'll be interesting to see where the eight car finishes how that fares and if he sticks with the lucas oil series or if he makes a decision that i'm going after the world of outlaw rookie of the year so that's going to be an interesting uh development here by the end of the week i think we'll have a pretty good idea yeah and me and i mean we've had this discussion on the show too about um uh which series has uh most star power that uh most depth and I think Lucas has the most depth. So, you know, if you're already in a hole, it's going to be harder to get up towards the top in Lucas. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to have a decision to make uh, uh, by the end of the week. Yeah, and, and it's crazy. Right now it seems like that the word is parody, right? I mean, there's, there's one guy between, you know, out of the whole Florida um, Speed Weeks deal that has two wins, and that's Turbo. He's the only guy with two wins, and he can't he can't even run this whole week. And he missed that first night, of course, of the World of Outlaw event over at Volusia. And everybody else has one. And right now, we talked a lot about the big three last year. Overton, of course, was a guy that didn't really follow a series, but he won a pile of races, right? He's got one win right now, one. Now you take Brandon Shepard, who was – the national late model driver of the year, right? And you take Jimmy Owens, who easily just dominated the Lucas Oil Series. Both of them are winless right now. So it's going to be an interesting week to see. I'm going to ask you this. The predictions for the rest of the week. There's four shows to go down there, down at Volusia. I want you to give me two random thoughts about like some kind of a prediction. can be anything that you want over the next four days at Volusia. Brandon Shepard will get a win uh, before the end of the week. And um, why don't you pick one thought and then I'll, I'll do my other one. <laughs> well, I'm going to say, I'm going to say right now that the next guy to double up on wins down there is going to be Bobby Pierce. And the reason I say that is it's been so top dominant, he's qualifying really well. Like Bobby Pierce is qualifying really well. He's won. I mean, if you look at all of his time down at Speed Week, he's won almost every heat that he's been in. I mean, he's really ran well in heat races, which puts him in the front uh, front few rows for the feature. And Volusia, the, the, it's just been a top dominant cushion all week. And if it continues to be that way, you know, I, I always pick on the guy and say he's not so smooth, but when it comes to riding the rail, right, getting up on the wheel, I don't know if there's anybody better than Bobby Pierce at driving on the cushion. So I, my prediction is Bobby Pierce will be the next guy to get a second win down at Florida Speed Weeks. Okay, and I'll just pick one out of the sky. I'll say uh, Scott Bloomquist will have a top three finish in at least one feature this week. <laughs> So you're going absolutely opposite of what Ben Shelton said. Yes. So Ben, so ben was already wrong because because Bloomquist qualified tonight. Yep. So so Ben Shelton on 
And this is on the drive home. And race fans, if you haven't seen that, Dirt on Dirt Facebook page every night after um, Speed Weeks in Florida, they, they do like a 20-minute drive home and kind of talk about the night. Um, Rigsby, um, D. Suave, Shelton, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, if you're a late model fan, it's awesome. I, I really enjoy it. So that was the opposite of what he said. Now, I'm going to say, Bert, who's leading Lucas Oil Points right now? Um, is it Overton? Let me take a look. I got it. I got it right here. I got it right here. I think it. I think it's Overton. So, it is. That's my prediction. Brandon Overton. Was he? Was he at? Was he at Volusia for the first one? I want to think about this before I before I speak. I don't remember if he <laughs> was there. I don't think he was. So. With that said, he can't lead the world of outlaw points, right? Because he wasn't even at the first one. Overton, he was there Monday night. No, no, the first one oh, before Arizona. Okay, yeah. Arizona. Okay. I don't think he went up there. For yeah, that. I'm not sure. So, okay, there, there goes that. I'm not gonna. Go, <laughs> I'm not gonna go there. Um, boy, you're putting me on the spot here. So you said, you said Bloomquist the top three. Hmm. Thornton ran pretty good tonight. Um, I'm going to say this, that, boy, I was going to say, I was going to say Overton was going to be the point leader in World of Outlaw also, but I don't think he ran that first one. And you think Brandon Shepard's going to get a win. That was your first one that you said? Yes. Boy, he, he had a shot tonight. He just did not look good. Well, I know I saw the lineup tonight and, and I thought, oh, my prediction's going to be over before I can make the prediction because I thought he was going to win from the front row. Right. Um, I think Pierce, that'd be my, my, my big one right there. And, and I think that, uh, boy, boy, you put me on the spot here. I, I'm not, this kind of a tough one. I thought I was going to have a little bit more time to think about this, but you went you went quicker than I did. So we got we got Bobby Pierce going to double up. I am going to go ahead and say that Bloom. I'm going to go opposite of you. I don't I don't I don't think Bloomquist going to get a top ten all week. Um, that that's going to be my prediction. So your prediction was Bloomquist going to get a top three. I'm going to say Bloomquist ain't going to see the top ten. Um, that that's what I'm going to go with, and. Uh, It'll be interesting. There's a lot of cars. There's 50 some cars down there. And Mark Whitener, as good as he was night one, he got like 20th on night two. So, you know, how you qualify at that place, Bert, is imperative, right? Big half mile, there's not a lot of passing. There's just not. You know, you, it kind of gets strung out. So there's not a lot of passing. If you don't qualify good, if you don't start towards the front of the heat and then towards the front of the feature, I think it's going to be very difficult for anybody to come from deep and really, you know, get up into the top five. I just don't see that happening. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to come down to people qualifying good. And Scott Bloomquist traditionally doesn't, he hasn't over the last couple of years been qualifying good. So I'm going to go with that. And um, okay. let's, let's go with this. Now off of the late models, we're going to go to modifieds and we we're going to talk about this last week, but we had to let this guy make the announcement himself. The one to go show 
regional late model power rankings driver of the year the x factor jesse <laughs> Glenn's, who would have been my pick maybe to, to run to win the the challenge series title his focus isn't going to be late models bert did you see what he's going to do this year yes he is going for the usmts championship and the what is it seventy thousand dollars to win the championship Nope. Um, so, uh, um, it's, uh, a little bit of a surprising move considering, uh, how well he's been running recently in a late model. Um, but I, I think he has a car owner that, uh, kind of wants to chase this and, uh, who's the driver to say no. <laughs> and it's his boss, right? Cause he works for Dale over at okay. last. Okay. So <clears throat> he works there. And then he drove that mod and they had some success. They ran really well with that at the end of the year last year. So he, he's already, and he's, and he's ran well in a mod okay. before. So, so he won't have any problems getting time off of work. <laughs> <laughs> nope. He's good to go there. In fact, they're going down in a couple of weeks to Texas to get that party started. So another guy, like literally either the same day or the next day, Landon Atkinson, another guy, a Minnesota guy um, from Little Falls, he run a late model in a mod, hell of a wheel man. He made the decision that he is also going to follow the USMPS deal. So a couple guys from our area. The only thing that pisses me off about that bird is now we got to buy racing dirt, right? Because that's another three hundred dollars a year we got to spend. We got to get racing dirt because I probably wouldn't have followed every race, you know, if it would have been just their normal guys. But if I got Jesse Glanz and Atkinson, who are kind of our local guys to watch, I'm going to have to watch it now. Right. Because, uh, you know, every race is a minimum of five grand. Most a lot of them are 10 grand, 70,000 to win that deal. It's only like 36 shows, which for a series like that isn't really a ton. Right. I think like the uh, World of Outlaw Sprints is like 90 ish or something like that. You know, so it's less than half of that. And, and the money's good. I mean, 70,000 to win that deal. That's not a drop in the bucket. So good luck to both of them guys. And uh, I, I tell you, I, I really believe both of them guys are going to make a statement because I'm telling you, yeah, Rodney Sanders is good, right? Jake O'Neill is good. Jason Hughes is good. But those two guys right there can run with all of them guys. There's not a question in my mind. This ain't a, this ain't a hey, we're going to give it a whirl. We're just going to go have fun, run with this series. These guys are instant contenders, okay? Like they, they are absolutely legitimate contenders to win this deal. So I'm really, I'm really hoping they get it done. I, my, my prediction on that deal is Jesse Glenn's going to win at least five races in that USMPS this year. That's, that, that's a bold prediction. <laughs> that, that's, that's my prediction right there. He's coming to play. So we, um, you know, we talked about the Bush class, right? We talked about that already. You know, Keith, I apologize, man. Uh, we ain't going to be able to talk about no sprint cars next week. You know, unless, unless some major news happens. I mean, they, they canceled, right? Friday, Saturday, both World of Outlaw Sprint Car races are canceled. Dude, it, they canceled on Monday. I, I don't really understand that, I guess. I mean, that's like a week out. In Minnesota, <laughs> if they would have canceled for the forecast, they'd never race. Like, it would, like, cancel the year. It's going to rain because it's like 50% of the time. So, they're, I'm not sure if there's more to the story, but they said it was weather. And and maybe, maybe there's something going to come through, whatever, but Boy, it's hard to cancel. Now, with that said, uh, 
I guess the world of outlaw guys travel. I mean, there's a lot of traveling to be done, so it's not like a local deal. But, yeah, no world of outlaw sprint car races going on this weekend. Now, let me ask you this. Did you watch the Super Bowl? I did watch it. Uh, it was uh, pretty uneventful. Uh, commercials were nothing to talk about, and the halftime show was uh, forgettable. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I hope I can forget it. I'm gonna put it that way. I hope, right? I can't. I can't unsee jock straps on their head. I mean, I get it. It's supposed to be bandages, and there's more to it. But yeah, that that was weird. And uh, you know, I'm a race fan. I, I don't know. I'm not gonna be politically correct. Okay, I, if that that just that's just not me, right? So. The first, all the pregame stuff was too politicized, too racially dividing, too polarizing. Yeah, freaking football. Right? I don't even wa- I don't even watch pregame because it's just it's just a bunch of people talking, too much hot air, and yeah. yeah. I loved it last year. Last year when it was on Fox, they did an amazing job, right? I mean, they and it, like there was no polit- none of the political crap, but they had. There was so much, like it was almost not almost like it was. It was a huge turnoff. Like it, it ruined the whole moment for me. Um, you know, so there was there was that. But I will say this: I I've never been a Tom Brady fan. I just haven't. I was a huge, huge Peyton Manning fan, and my pit guy Changa that I talked about, huge Tom Brady Patriots fan, right? So we always had that rivalry there. So I could not like him. Like I couldn't because. It was like the guy, it's like a Vikings fan cheering for the Packers. You just don't do it. You're not cheering for the Vikings <laughs> and you're not cheering for the Bears. Am I right? It just ain't going to happen. Correct. Right? Even, even, when Fa- even when Favre was playing for the Vikings and he was that close to, yeah. to the Super Bowl, uh, I knew he was going to throw, he was going to mess it up somehow. And, <laughs> and he did. And he did. And he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. But so, but with that said, right? You can't argue against a guy that has seven Super Bowl titles, right? No, so, no. Yeah, there's the cheating stuff, and there's some stuff, right? But the one thing, there's two things that stuck out. All the different commentating, you know, all the different interviews that I heard about, he's clearly not the most gifted athlete on the field. He's not, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes is way more athletic than Tom Brady. What he has is leadership ability his ability to take the players around them and elevate their playing level and just getting more out of everyone around them i've never seen anything like it it's incredible and the other thing that stuck out to me and i don't know if you saw this or not but is it fair to say that over the last couple of years antonio brown has had a few life struggles right yes <laughs> he's been a train wreck now before that he was top three wide receiver in the national football league with the Steelers. The guy's a stud, but then like all kinds of craziness happened. And Tom Brady says, I want him. And and they said, he ain't a good fit. He's like, I don't care. Like I'm going to make him a good fit. I want him on the box. Right. So he comes to the box. Tom Brady takes Antonio Brown underneath his wing and has literally spent a ton of time helping him get his life back together. I thought that was pretty cool. I saw Michael Irvin talking about that and he's like, I'm a guy that had all kinds of troubles in life. You know, everybody knows about Michael Irvin stuff. And he had some people take him under his wing, turn his life around. So uh, kudos to Tom Brady. You know, it was kind of cool hearing that because that's more than football, right? That, that's taking somebody yeah. that 
you know, let, let's help this guy out. He had no reason to do that. He didn't even know that he played against him, right? It was not, wasn't a teammate of him. You know, he just knew the guy was immensely talented and he was going through some life struggles and he needed some direction. And, and now he's a Super Bowl champion because of it. So kind of a neat deal there. So <clears throat> we talked about our late model predictions and, you know, Bert, uh, any closing thoughts? You know, we got speed weeks are winding down. You know, it's a great time of year. It's cold as hell up here, right? You know, and it's nice down there. Um, you know, what speed weeks are winding down, four nights left down there. Of course, the Daytona 500 coming up, which wraps up speed weeks. And then uh, then we have a little bit of a break. I don't think there's much going on here for, for a week or two, or I think there's a little bit. I think there's some stuff, but not much. So any closing thoughts, uh, you know, on, um, on the past week? Well, my personal thoughts, uh, I'm going to do a plug. Um, I, for those... Uh, race fans who don't know there is a new dirt racing magazine out now um there was previously dirt monthly magazine but that magazine no longer exists and uh, uh the new dirt racing magazine that is out there is called dirt empire uh go to facebook uh search for it um i'll i'll share the link on uh, onto one to go uh facebook page also because uh they did a preview issue that is available only online and it, it's uh, the main goal is, is so race fans and advertisers can see the magazine, see what it's going to be about. Uh, but I will be a freelance writer for the magazine and I do have an article in this preview issue uh, about Aaron Turnbull and uh, his win at the site's memorial and the, uh, struggle he had to cross the u.s canadian border to achieve that goal so uh you know in these days when there's not a lot of racing magazines out there we need to support the ones that are out there so i just ask you to take a look at it and i mean if you like it then you can subscribe to it uh if you don't subscribe you know no big deal it's up to you but just take a look at it and see what it's all about uh i will have articles in there um as off i think fairly often so um uh, i, just, I saw uh, that article it was a good article i read that okay. actually. I, I enjoyed it and uh, of course our friend jc norgard he had some of his photos in there yep of that same deal you know so so absolutely i thought that was great i think i already shared the article on the one to go show facebook page oh okay i think i did so people can take a peek at it there but yeah absolutely check that out you know any kind of racing coverage there's there's not a lot out there that sometimes it feels like there's a lot of stuff but we all kind of love the same sport so we want to support you know everything that we can for sure so yeah thanks for bringing that up bert absolutely the last thing i'm going to say is uh guys guys here's your here's your reminder okay <laughs> Here's your reminder. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Okay. So don't forget. Okay. And ladies, um, a perfect gift. I mean, I've been a racer. If you're wondering, what do I get the guy in my life for Valentine's Day? Um, an engine, a new, new roller, um, shock package. Um, there's a lot of different things, you know, a, a house car, a new stacker trailer, any of those things would be a perfectly good Valentine's gift for the guy in your life. I think all of them would be good. Um, I, and I think, guys, you just take care of mama because if mama's happy, 
everybody's happy. And if you want to continue on racing, you want to make sure that she's happy because if she's not, your racing gets a lot more difficult. So here is your heads up. Valentine's Day is coming. So hope, hopefully you enjoy it with the person you care about most. So Bert, uh, that's episode 66 in the books. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, we got four nights of racing right ahead of us here on <laughs> her vision, of course. Um, and I think they have the features. I don't know if they do or not. I shouldn't say this. I'm not 100% sure. Do they take the UMP features and throw them over on Dirt on Dirt? And do they do the same with the World of Outlaws stuff? I, I mean, Monday's features were on Dirt on Dirt. Um, I don't I don't know if the World of Outlaws, uh, you know, throughout the regular season, if, if they're on Dirt on Dirt the next day or not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know both UMP, so Tuesday nights will be as well. I don't know about the rest of the week, but the races, of course, are on Dirt Vision. We'll be checking that out. I mean, that's really the only thing going on in the racing world, and uh, we'll have some more for you then on episode 67. So once again, hopefully you enjoyed our show here today. Um, give you a little bit of escape from all the craziness in the world, an hour or so where you can just kind of sit back and listen to me and Bert ramble on about racing. We all kind of love the same sport. We appreciate you tuning in. Um, I'm Ryan Aho. That is the Bert Lehman. And as Puka always says, go out there and be your dream. Thanks for tuning in to the One to Go Show. A production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.